Eleanor Hadley is a certified sex educator, writer, and speaker known for her embodied lap dance teachings. Promotional ejaculation and erectile dysfunction in general affect like one in three men. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand quite how prevalent it is. Eleanor has taught the art of seduction on national stages and is a regular featured writer for various national publications. If you have a history of trying to come really, really fast, and essentially you're sort of building this neural pathway that oh, I need to get it over and done with fast. She is also the resident pleasure expert for sexual awareness brand Branchy. There's something called arousal non-concordance and this is essentially kind of debunking the myth that wet equals ready or you know I'm aroused and that must mean that I'm wet or I'm wet and that must mean that I'm aroused. So sometimes we everybody has very different levels of natural lubrication. Eleanor hosts the popular podcast the Sensuality Academy. You uh, actually give some tips and advice on how to send nudes. Yeah. So what are some of the do's and don'ts with that? So first things first is... Before we begin today's episode, I would really appreciate a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. This helps to get the message out there to men and therefore encourage and inspire them to level up their life. So without further ado, this is the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan. Thank you for tuning in. Eleanor, an absolute pleasure to have you on this podcast. And pleasure is what we're going to be speaking about or speaking a lot about on this episode, I'm sure. And my first question to you is... I'm I'm incredibly intrigued about the the work you do. I'm very interested in in the content you put out there as much as any other man or woman would be or certainly should be. But I'm very curious to know something about your background or understand your background to know how you've got to this point today as a a sex educator, pleasure expert. So where did it all begin? So it all sort of began for me um, years and years ago, I started pole dancing classes and I had always danced growing up, but just, you know, jazz, ballet, tap, everything like that. I started pole dancing classes, became very quickly addicted, uh, loved the sensual expression of pole. And I eventually worked my way up through the levels and was just so obsessed that I decided to purchase a studio. And so I ran that business for four years, um, teaching pole dancing classes, watching the difference in confidence um, and self-esteem in my students through each week of doing these classes. And then I got to a point where I wanted to focus less on the performative element of pole um, because the sort of stage show element is often something that a lot of people kind of work towards. They want to compete. Uh, it's a huge part of the pole industry nowadays. Um, but I just wanted to take it back to basics and I wanted people to feel really, really sexy and embodied in their movement. And so I ended up selling my studio and I created my own sensual movement style. 
and started teaching that. That naturally led to me talking more about sensuality online. Someone suggested I'd be a great coach, studied life coaching, specialized in sensuality, studied sex coaching, and it's all just sort of been a snowball effect from there. All started from the pool. Exactly. Interesting. It's it, it seems to be a very popular thing at the moment with ladies is is pole dancing. Do you, do you know why that is? Oh, it's been popular for a while now. Um, it was well over 10 years ago that I started my first class. Um, but it's something that appeals to us because I think that women are naturally incredibly sensual. The way that we move is deeply feminine, rounded, circular, fluid, flowing kind of shapes. And a lot of traditional fitness is very linear, very masculine in energy. It's up, down, side to side on a linear plane. And so pole appeals because it's allowing us to move in a way that our body really responds to. And it's also like somewhat taboo and it's allowing us to reclaim our sensuality, our sexuality and express it in a way that isn't necessarily for the male gaze. We're not doing it because we're trying to appeal to men. We're doing it because it feels really, really good for us. And it's often in a really safe space where we're surrounded by other women and we can look ridiculous and fuck it up and also look really hot and sexy, but not feel like we're being watched. So it's a really beautiful, fun space to be in. Not doing it to appeal to men, but at the same time, it appeals to men. (laughs) (laughs) naturally it does and when I used to own the studio and even more so now as a sex educator you know it's almost like this immediate um little test when I meet someone and they say oh so what do you do inevitably they ask that question and when I used to say oh I own a pole dancing studio now when I say I'm a sex educator it kind of weeds out (laughs) the rotten eggs because if they immediately like sexualize me and kind of say like, oh, the the common one when I had the pole studio was like, oh, I've got a pole you can try. And I was like, okay, I know you're talking about your dick right now and we don't need to go there, but it it tells me who you are (laughs) if you do. That's the worst chat up line I've ever heard. Yeah, you cannot even begin to imagine how many times I got that one. (laughs) Brutal. Brutal, yeah. cheap. Um, okay, he certainly wasn't a keeper. So, yeah. what, like, where were you at before all this began? The pole, even during the pole dancing, were you quite conservative about your sexuality and your femininity? Did it then? Did you then begin to express that more so through the pole dancing and and f- from that point forward? Or, yeah, where were you at? Definitely. I think I don't feel like I was ever overly repressed in my sexuality, but I definitely wasn't fully expressed. Um, I think that like a lot of us, we grow up with this inherent sort of undertone of shame around sex and being a sexual being. Um, But at the same time, we're also sort of conditioned into thinking that we're meant to be amazing at it. Um, but behind closed doors and we're not meant to really talk about it but also it's really important and it's quite confusing and I definitely had those experiences where you know when I bought the studio I was in a relationship a long-term sort of relationship and um, I suppose our sex was quite vanilla it was just sort of okay that's the standard that's all all we do and it it didn't feel like I had much room to breathe within that and I didn't even really know where to go And so when I started pole, it was 
almost like this homecoming. I remember the first class feeling really, really nervous and scared um, because it was taboo and it felt like kind of almost naughty moving my body in that way, but my body really responded to it. Um, and throughout my career, I've continuously come back to movement. It's one of the first things that I'll get clients to work through is sensual movement, embodied touch, things like this. And I think it's just such a beautiful way to come back into your body. And it helped me so much because the more you can connect with yourself, the more like expressed you are. If you're sensual in your everyday life, that's going to have a beautiful flow on effect to your sexuality and your sex life. It's just going to enhance everything. Do you think that's the biggest issue at the moment when it comes to relationships with men and women is that women have become disassociated with their femininity and are sort of stepping more so into masculine roles or masculine characteristics? Yes and no. Um, I do think that just societally we are expected and also sort of applauded for having certain characteristics. And I'm careful using the terms masculine and feminine because often they can feel quite gendered. The assumption is that masculine equals manly, feminine equals woman, and it's very, very binary. Um, and I think that there's more, um, more helpful ways of looking at it in terms of, okay, what's an energy that feels more expressive? And can we allow that? And I do think that often we don't get that space to fully express, to sort of surrender, to let go, to be led, um, to receive, things like that. And I think that has a, a huge impact, especially when we're talking about polarity in relationships. Um, I also think a really huge part of the disconnection that is so common in relationships is just not being embodied at all. We're always up in our heads, we're overthinking things and that can lead to us not having the ability to orgasm, not feeling deep pleasure, finishing too soon, things like this because we're in our head and we're not connected to our actual sensual body. Nice one. Open this up to me very nicely now. So <clears throat> the finishing too soon part, big, big issue for, for men, either... They can't get erect because they are stuck in their heads mm -hmm. or they finish too soon because they're stuck in their heads. So what are some strategies that can help a man with this process? Uh, probably let's go with the finishing too soon first. Finishing too soon. Well, so first, I guess I just want to give a little caveat that, um, you know, premature ejaculation and erectile dysfunction in general affect like one in three men. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand quite how prevalent it is. Um, and I think that's an important thing for us to know that it's it's common. Um, common and normal are different things as well, but not to kind of really get down on yourself and beat yourself up if this is something that you have or are experiencing or potentially you will experience at some point. Um, one, one, one out of three men. Yeah. That's a lot of men. Or will. It's a lot of men. And, you know, it's not necessarily every single time, but a lot of people will have this experience. And I think a huge part of, um, of this conversation is removing the taboo and the shame around it. 
because it, it's common and there can be lots of different reasons. Definitely being stuck in our heads, um, performance anxiety, nerves, placing your lover on some sort of pedestal, um, that's a huge part of it. And then also physical things as well. There's there's certain issues that can lead to, um, you know, a lack of blood flow as well. And so depending on what might be causing it, there's so many different tactics and techniques and tools that you can try um, to explore how to kind of get over um, PE or ED. And so I've written plenty of articles about this topic. And so it's something that I, I find very, very fascinating. And one of the, the top ones would be mindful masturbation. So the way that you masturbate is going to have a huge impact on your partnered sex life. Your solo sex life is going to sort of mirror your partnered sex life often. Um, and just like any habit, we condition ourselves in the way that we self-pleasure. So if you have a history of trying to come really, really fast because you are worried that someone's going to walk in, maybe, you know, when you're a teenager, you're like, oh gosh, I've got to quickly do this in the bathroom because I'm going to get caught or someone's going to come knock on the door. Then essentially you're sort of building this neural pathway that, oh, I need to get it over and done with fast. Um, same with the types of sensations. Are you always masturbating in the same position? Are you always like sitting up? Is it always with your right hand? Um, how, how can you change up your positioning um, and the way that you do uh, your self-pleasure practice? This is going to kind of start to change those neural pathways so that you can allow yourself to come in different scenarios and last longer as well. That's one technique. There's quite a lot, but that's that. That means instead of uh, a three-minute masturbation session, mm -hmm. if you can call it a three-minute masturbation session, you could prolong that to twenty minutes, thirty minutes. Absolutely. So could continually to continue to hold back on the ejaculation and to continue with the masturbation as as almost yeah. practice for real life scenario. Exactly. That's a really, really handy thing um, to do. Essentially, what is often considered um, premature ejaculation is, is ejaculating within three minutes of penetration. And so if that is your experience, then practicing your own self-pleasure and extending that pleasure is going to help so much. Um, it's going to allow you to sort of practice the art of edging, which is taking yourself to almost just before the point of no return and then sort of backing it off. And this is how you play with like sensation play. So often we focus only on the genitals, but we have so many other erogenous zones. And so when you feel like you're getting to the point of no return, you've got to sort of back off and stimulate other erogenous zones or just sort of like move out and then come back into the center. What are some of the uh, pleasure tactics that men often get wrong with women? <laughs> That's a loaded question, is it? <laughs> a very loaded question. How long do you have? Um, <laughs> okay. First thing, most important thing is slow the fuck down, please. For the love of God. Um, 
Do you mean on on all aspects? Look, it's more about um, moving towards penetration. So if we're talking and like binary sort of heterosexual sex, penis in vagina, like penetrative sex, if that's the kind that we're having, and that's not the only type of sex that exists, there's so much more. But when we're talking about that style, it's really important that we take our time. So for for us with vulvas, we need 20 to 40 minutes to get fully aroused and ready to receive anything inside us, whether that's a dildo, fingers, or a penis. And that's going to allow us to actually have the peak pleasure, um, like actual enjoyment. Um, it's, it's going to be so much deeper, more comfortable for us as well, and more orgasmic potential. Now, often the problem that we have a lot of the time is that because men tend to get aroused quite quickly it's almost this assumption that like oh well you should be ready too and often there's this um this kind of bias where because men are ready they think there's something wrong with us if we're not ready then we must be the ones that are broken and that's something that gets internalized by a lot of women they're like oh well there must be something wrong with me because I'm not ready when he's ready but really if we all slow down and we take our time before we get there to penetrate it penetration then it's going to be more pleasurable for everybody so I want you to take your time and really think about with your partner working from the outside in so you feel aroused from like your dick out, right? It's like that's the first thing that tends to kind of respond when you're aroused um, and the most strong point of arousal, whereas we need that time to move from the outside in. So we need we need the stimulating conversation. We need the connection. We need the eye contact. Then you can move in towards the center a little bit closer and we need the stimulation of all the erogenous zones the mouth the lips ears like sucking nibbling on the neck uh, moving towards the chest the breasts the nipples closer and closer and then like from the outside in of the vulva itself like don't go straight for the goods we need to stimulate the inner and the outer labia the clitoris and then finally you can actually go inside but you've got to take your time when you get to that point of the vagina mm. should the man only focus on the the clitoris no <laughs> so what should Definitely he do because there, there, there's a lot because there's a lot of emphasis on yeah, focusing on the clitoris absolutely and look the clitoris is very very important i'm going to get some uh demonstration um out for you so the clitoris is wildly important. It is the part of the human body, regardless of sex and gender, that has the most con- highly concentrated amount of nerve endings. It's over 10,000. Um, so this is Vivian, the vulva. Um, and so I'm just gonna like demonstrate here. So often what we're seeing is, you know, you might see that tiny little pearl, everyone's clitoris is a different size. Often it's covered with a little clitoral hood. But the clitoris itself, the structure, um, is much more internal. So this is what the clitoris looks like. And it's like a wishbone kind of um, shape. It's got these crura, which are arms on the outside, and then vestibular bulbs. 
and they are on either side of the vaginal canal. Now, when we stimulate the glands clitoris, the head of the clitoris, the part that we see externally, that's going to have an amazing effect on um, the, the rest of it. Now, a lot of the time people, well, we're familiar with, you know, if you have a penis, you're going to get a hard on, you're going to get a boner, you're going to get erect, right? Because the penis is full of erectile tissue. Now, we don't have exactly the same thing, but we've got something very, very similar. We have erectile tissue in our clitoris. So these vestibular bulbs that are sitting and hanging out at all times on either side of the vaginal canal, most of the time they're flaccid, just like a penis. But when we get aroused, and only if we get sufficiently aroused, these will expand and allow us to feel pleasure internally. But unlike a penis, it takes us about 20 minutes, up to 40 minutes for these vestibular bulbs to fill with the blood flow that we need to feel that pleasure. And so that's why it's really important to massage and stimulate, lick, suck, all of that around the internal and external labia as well, because the clitoris is underneath this part here in between the internal and external lips. Interesting. So do you focus you on... Inside, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do, do you focus on that area first and then go towards the clitoris or do you go towards the clitoris and then sort of, do, or do you mix it up? What's, what's the sort of process there? Oh, you can totally mix it up, but I would always say, think about outside in. So before, like, first we've, we've gone through what I said before, you know, conversation, eye contact, kissing, neck, um, nipples, breasts, all the way towards like the inner thighs, right? You're at the inner thighs, you're sort of teasing, teasing, licking in between the inner thighs and where the vulva starts. And then it's the outer lips and then it's the inner lips and then it's the clitoris and then it's the vaginal opening. And, you know, you're kind of going up and down and all around um, for a while there until you know that she's ready to receive anything inside of her. Um, it's always really helpful to ask, like, would you like my fingers inside you now? Are you ready for my fingers? Um, and, you know, sort of really stimulate that area for a while before um, anything goes in. So just because she's wet doesn't mean you stick your fingers in? Exactly, exactly. Because there's something called arousal non-concordance. And this is essentially um, kind of debunking the myth that wet equals ready um, or, you know, I'm aroused and that must mean that I'm wet or I'm wet and that must mean that I'm aroused, right? So sometimes we, everybody has very different levels of natural lubrication um, and it's it's not necessarily something that indicates anything is wrong. It's just everybody's got a different sort of shape and type of vulva anatomy. And so some people will be more naturally lubricated than others. Some people are just wet like all the time. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're aroused and they're ready for anything to be inside them, right? Because the vaginal canal hasn't sort of lengthened, it hasn't softened, it's not ready to receive. Um, other people might be super highly aroused and they feel so excited and ready, but they just don't have a naturally high level of lubrication. And that's where we use lube because lube is the best thing ever. And everybody should use lube all the time. It makes sex better for everybody involved and increases orgasmic potential so much. So please use lube. How do we, how do we use lube? 
how to use lube. Um, you can just grab some and pop it onto your fingers, onto your penis, um, and just even just like around the vulva as well, and kind of massage it around the clitoris, the lips, and the vaginal opening as well. Mm. I think that's where a lot of men also go wrong, where all the focus is on the tongue, on the on the vagina. And there's no hands there. It's almost as if, as if oh, my, my tongue will feel better than my hands ever will. So they don't get involved with their hands. Is this... Oh, get your hands involved. Um, <laughs> we, it, I mean, everybody's very different. So always, like, before you do anything, always ask. Um, because some people will not like it at all and others will be, like, craving it. Um, and there's nothing better than a combo deal. We love a blended orgasm here that the the more erogenous zones, um, kind of as a general rule, uh, the better. <laughs> so if you are eating your girl out and you're licking and maybe you're sucking on the clitoris, definitely if she's ready, then fingers inside as well, hooking them around, do that little come hither kind of movement um, to get towards the G-spot. The G-spot does take time as well to be ready and to sort of swell if it's touched too soon it can feel a bit painful um because she, she's got to get herself ready essentially the the g-spot is just the behind the scenes of the clitoris it's not necessarily like its own spot it's just behind the scenes um and so we need that blood flow there that arousal before we stimulate it um but definitely get around the fingers it's a good time how do you know if you've hit the g-spot so the g-spot feels it's almost like this little disc a little spongy kind of disc um everyone's like vaginal canal is shaped quite differently um different lengths and twists and turns and stuff so um some people it will be kind of quite close towards their vaginal entry but like hooking up um others will be sort of a few inches in and up towards the front of the body um and you'll know that you've found it if it feels a little bit spongy it's almost got this texture kind of like the top of your mouth like if you can feel that with your tongue it's kind of a little bit ridged um and yeah if if your partner is like oh that's that is a good time then then you know you've had the jackpot yes <laughs> yeah <exactly. laughs> just want to go back to something you mentioned there earlier about um mm -hmm. the woman being wet but possibly not aroused and that men often get aroused very quickly but what if that's the other way around where the woman is aroused but the man isn't ready yet and then he feels like he's broken or he feels like he's got something wrong with him and then he gets caught in his head and then he gets anxious about the whole situation and everything shuts down so yeah. how do you navigate that barrier Definitely. I think in whichever sort of way this might be happening, communication is the first thing that needs to happen. You need to sort of say, oh, I'm, I really desire you. I'm just not sort of feeling it yet. Would you maybe do this or that? Or I think I might need this sort of stimulation. Could you use your mouth for a while? Um, and using different tools like the breath and like this sensate focus. Sensate focus is really just essentially focusing on where the sensation is in your body as opposed to getting wrapped up in your head um it's a really common thing for us all to get you know two in our head and that can shut everything down 
Um, and just, you know, having conversations outside the bedroom about like, I'm feeling a little bit um, anxious about this and I want you to know this and what I might need when this happens is X, Y, and Z. Just being really open and honest about that, you know, it helps to kind of just get rid of that shame that might be attached to it. Um, because bodies are bodies and sometimes they don't do what we want them to do at the time and that's totally fine and it's nothing to do with you and your character and your desire for your lover as well. I think often we think that, um, you know, I, I know a lot of women have told me like if they can't make their partner come, they think that it's 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 their fault and that they've done something wrong and it's a reflection on how their partner does or doesn't desire them. Um, and vice versa. And I think that it's really important that we just have these conversations and we really express what we do desire and what works for us. Be curious about your lover and like what kind of stimulation, what kind of technique, what kind of touch do you like? What do you need? And here's what I need. And being open to that, you know, not mm-hmm. thinking, oh, well, that's what worked for that partner and that partner. So I'm just going to like copy and paste because everyone's yes. so different. And you can't just assume everyone's going to get off the same way. Yeah. Something I struggle with in my teenage years. And uh, when it happens or when it did happen, you feel like a, a failure. You know, you feel like you fail as a man. But then also the woman would often take it as a, uh, take it very personally that, oh, I thought you liked me. It's quite obvious you don't now. You know what I mean? So and then you get caught in that shame loop again. No, what the fuck's wrong with me? So, and then you start to, because that was a a failed attempt of having sex and, you know, sex becomes associated with, uh, with pain more so than pleasure. And then you tend to avoid the sex and you go somewhere else to get your fix, which is usually through porn or, or something virtually. So mm. yeah, that's, I think the communication part is, is really important and the, again the thing about it is is men have such high expectations placed upon themselves when they get into these situations so if you can just lower the expectations and have a real life conversation as to what could potentially happen here and if she's a, a good woman she'll understand yeah absolutely it's it's a, it's such a shame that we have this conditioning that impacts everybody in these ways where we just fill ourselves with shame if our body hasn't responded how we wanted it to and we make it mean something that it might not necessarily mean um so I, I i definitely encourage everyone to be open when people come to you with you know different things around sexuality and just yeah be gentle so just taking a step back from dating maybe even before there's a a physical meetup there's there can be often a bit of um, a virtual connection established. So, mm-hmm. and in the virtual connection, and this is very common at the moment, you can get into sexting or intimate conversations and intimate conversations can lead to intimate photos or intimate videos being shared. And there's no point pretending that this doesn't happen. There's no point telling people not to do it because they will fucking do it. So... <laughs> What I found very interesting about your 
Instagram profile and go do check it out, everyone. But you uh, actually give some tips and advice on how to send nudes. Yes. Yeah. So what are some of the do's and don'ts with that? Oh, one of my favorite topics to talk about. I'm all for it. I'm like, please send nudes. It's such a good time. Um, but of course, there are boundaries that exist within the the art of sensual self-portrait. The art. Oh, yes. It's, it's an art. Oh, yeah. There we go. It is an art. Indeed, <laughs> it is. <laughs> so first things first is like we can't ever talk about the topic without talking about consent um, because nobody wants to receive an unsolicited picture um and i can quite confidently speak for the majority of the female population we don't want an unsolicited dick pic out of nowhere especially from a stranger i'm sure that nobody listening to your podcast has ever sent a dick pic to a stranger because that's just really weird <laughs> but unfortunately a lot of us have received them and it's it's whack so Obviously, we're talking about sending nudes consensually between someone that you have a sexual connection with already, um, or it's kind of getting there. You're already flirting. And so if it's something that you feel like you want to do, I'd always start with a sexting session. Um, always ask if they want to receive something from you before you just send it. Um, you know, they could... A, just not want to see it at all. They might just not be interested. Um, B, they might be in the middle of a meeting and they don't need to see a picture of your dick. In the middle of a meeting, it could be hella awkward. Um, <laughs> it might not be a good time for them to adequately respond and give said dick pic or sensual selfie the, the praise and admiration that it so deserves. <laughs> so... Check in, ask, hey, I, I was thinking of you and I took a picture. Do you want to see it? Um, I, you know, I, I took this the other day. Would you like to see it? So always ask first. I think that's wildly obvious, but unfortunately, um, from the feedback that I've received from a lot of women, it doesn't seem to be so. So please ask before you send it. Um, and you can ask in a sexy way. It can be really hot. You know, you can already be sexting um, and say, oh, my God, look, I'd love to show you what your what you've the reaction that um, I've had to your words right now or like you're making me feel this way. Would you like to see things like that? Right. There's lots of different fun ways that you can um, get around that. Then I recently asked my audience on Instagram for their top tips for guys sending nudes. And I did an entire post about it. It's called Nudes for Dudes. Um, I have a highlight on it as well because uh, the answers are so brilliant. Um, the consensus is we don't <laughs> think about your angles, right? So the sort of like classic, just like dick in hand, like from above, not a good time. Um, we want to we want to be a little bit more creative, a little bit more like artistic um, with these nudes, and it doesn't always have to be a dick pic as well. Like a lot of the feedback was like not just the dick. Maybe like you'll get there and you'll be like, I need to see it now. But we love like arms and jaws and backs and like a booty and you know show us like your body 
um, and like seduce us. Again, think about that whole concept of working from the outside in. We don't need to see the dick immediately, but like take us on a journey, seduce us, like make us like crave it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> what else? Um, what else? Okay, so we want to think about the setting, the scene. So don't have like a toilet in the background. Please, please, for the love of God, clean your room. Um, <laughs> if you're on a bed, ha- have sheets on your bed. Um, it's so so wild how many or, t- or, or tuck in, or tuck tuck in the sheets in the background. Yeah, tuck them in. Make sure there's not like just a random. I don't know, Coke can in the background. Don't do the weird Coke can comparison thing. <laughs> I had someone tell me that, that they've received that, and it's just not not ideal. So clean your environment. Make sure that it's kind of, you know, not not messy and distracting. We want to focus on you, not the weird. Because because, because you want you want to make that environment seem inviting for, for this exactly. lady because she could potentially be in it at some point soon. We want to picture ourselves there. And if we're like, ew, that looks gross, we don't want to be there. And the thing is, with women, a lot of the time we have this diffuse awareness and men tend to have more of a single-pointed focus. And so you might not necessarily notice that there's shit in the background, but we can. It's probably the first thing that we see. And they're like, oh, yeah, cool, that, like, he's hot, but, oh, what is that in the background? So have a little think about that. Think about lighting as well. Um, Natural lighting is always great. Mood lighting is great. Try not to have it too grainy. Um, There's lots of different sort of ways that you can get through this. And I think that um, depending on the context, I love to move from sensual then towards sexual. It doesn't have to immediately be sexual. Um, And everything that I do in my work starts from the senses being sensual. And I think there's a really big difference with sensual selfies as opposed to like a sexually explicit nude. And there's a time and place for everything, but I like kind of taking people on a journey, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is relevant to everything you've spoken about today. Hmm. Take them on a journey, take the woman on a journey. We're going this journey together, yeah, which starts from, again, the outside in, but also the outside of the bedroom in, yeah, which is the, like the first say, date or, yeah. yeah, you know, foreplay. I, I I don't like the word foreplay, um, so I don't tend to use it because I feel like it's quite heterocentric. It's it's assuming that. Penetrative sex is the only type of real, quote unquote, real sex, and everything else isn't. Um, and that's not true. Like oral sex, anal sex, there's so many different types of non vaginally penetrative sex. But alas, I think that foreplay or the building of desire starts when sex ends. So you're constantly in this building of desire. So if we've had an argument or you've let me down or things like this and like the day before we actually have sex, it's probably going to have a a bit of an impact on how much I allow myself to soften and trust you um, in what by the time we get to the bedroom. Um, If I don't feel like you respect me, if I don't feel like I can trust that I'm safe with you to fully let go, then that's going to impact um, the sex that we have and so 
constantly think about this constant building of desire and moving towards um, that sort of peak. And then it's just a wave back down and then up again and again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It sort of goes back to what what you mentioned as well, in terms of just slowing things down. And if you, it's because it's through the slow process that a woman will build that trust with you and then feel safe with you and then open herself up to you fully. Yeah. She's not going to do that in a, a 15 minute window of just meeting her and having her in your bedroom. So yes, brilliant. Taking plenty of notes here. So thank you, Eleanor. Pleasure. <laughs> uh, and you've got loads of great content on your Instagram as well to help all the listeners here, men and women. So where can they all find you and, and reach out and potentially work with you at some point as well? You can find me on Instagram. It's at Eleanor Hadley. My website is eleanorhadley.com as well. I do have a podcast of my own. It's called The Sensuality Academy. Um, and that's available everywhere. And yeah, please feel free to slide nice. into the DMs, ask any questions. And yeah. And you do have a tongue tactics course, I believe. I do. Yes, I have a tongue tactics course. I've got two versions. So the first is BJ Queen and the second is Pussy Prose. So whichever skill you would like to learn, I've got you. Um, I also have a course on send nudes. So it's the art of sensual self-portraiture, how to take sensual selfies um, and everything that you need to know to do that. Brilliant. You've got a way with words, you know that? Oh, thank you. <laughs> way to my heart. Yes, brilliant. Thank you, Anna. This has been, this has been a pleasure and I look forward to uh, putting some of this into practice as well to experience more pleasure in my life. And of course, um, all the listeners too, to take it on board and improve their, their sex life, bring it to new levels. So thanks again. My pleasure. Soon to be yours. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Warrior podcast. If this episode has added value to your life, please share this episode on your social media platforms so that others too can gain the insight, information, and inspiration that they need in order to move forward in their lives. For the time being, stay strong and keep fighting the good fight. <laughs>